This is the Behind the Badge podcast with me, Daniel Freeman. And me, James Roberts. Each episode we'll be chatting Oxford United with the names of yesteryear. Whether it be a former player, manager or chairman, our aim will be to listen to their story. Behind the Badge is an unofficial podcast that digs deep into the highs and lows of Oxford United's history. We hope you enjoy it. Andy Burgess, thank you for, for joining us on Behind the Badge. Um, first things first, Andrew John Blakemore Burgess. Please explain <laughs> the, uh, the, the middle name. I'm sure there's a family reason behind it somewhere. Yeah, that's yeah. you've absolutely blown me out of the water to, in the first sentence. Um, yeah, Blakemore was, I believe, uh, I, I assume you're referencing Blakemore rather than John. Um, Blakemore was uh, <laughs> my grandmother's maiden name um i believe um so it was just felt that it was nice to keep keep it in a family uh, i think my nephew's got the same um uh, middle name unfortunately i haven't I haven't treated my children to to having it so uh but yeah um blakemore is 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 my, my grandmother's maiden name fantastic so uh born in in, in bedford uh 1981 what, what was it you know what was it like what did you what was the, the, the where did it all start from a football perspective for you from there um so i started when i was five or six i went to a club uh, we moved to we moved out of sort of bedfordshire area down to northampton a football team when i was five or six called westfield rovers in wellingborough uh, played in the, in the Wheater Bix League, which I believe is still going, quite a big league in the Northamptonshire area. Um, when I was 10, um, uh, Luton Scout came to to watch uh, to watch me play. At the same time, I was I had a couple of phone calls from, I think it was Aston Villa and Nottingham Forest, but being a, a born into a big Luton Town family, um, it was a, it was, I can't even remember, a conversation happening about Forest and Villa. It was just, you, you know, you, you're going to Luton. Um, so yeah, signed for Luton School of Excellence as it was then. Now Academy. When I was under, under I think it was under eleven. I just started secondary school, um, and and you know stayed there until I was well fifteen, leaving school when it came to the the age of when you got what was then a YTS, now a scholar. Um, didn't get one, but um, fortunately moved moved across to to Rushton. Had a trial at Rushton for their first ever full time um, scholarship, and uh, was fortunate enough to. To grab, grab a place there, and uh, and then go on and spend sort of twelve years at the club. So, uh, with a brief jaunt over to Oxfordshire. Um, so yeah, that was uh, that was my early 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 footballing um, experience. Rushton and Diamonds at the time, obviously, were coming through the league like a, a rate of knots. It was it was an incredible, um, you know, going from the United Counties leagues and all that sort of stuff right right through, and obviously. Uh, at one stage for a couple of seasons they played in league one um mm-hmm. what was it like what was it like there witnessing all that happening the, the, the ground being built you know it was it, mm-hmm. at its at its time it was it was it was modern oh. and it was it was a good ground wasn't it oh it was i feel so lucky i mean like, obviously at the time i was devastated i got released by luton but in hindsight it i it was i was so fortunate that i did because i was i joined rushton when uh, they, I think Brian, Brian Talbot had taken over the season before they'd finished 12th. Uh, as I say, it was the first, first ever full time youth team, full time academy team or scholarship. And, um, the training ground had, ground had, ground hadn't been built then, but the ground had been built and it was a, a fabulous, uh, fabulous ground for that level. Um, it was all, it was finished. The thing with Nem Park was it was finished lovely. It was, 
you know, everywhere had everywhere had skirting boards and everywhere was was thought about. The doors had diamonds in them and it was just it was small, but it was it was properly thought out and it was it was just I was so lucky to be there. I went through two years of the of the scholarship. I didn't do particularly well for 18 months and towards the end of my scholarship I, I kicked on and Terry Wesley joined the club as assistant manager and really liked me and that that propelled me and I was one of three who got a contract at the end of the sea at the end of my scholarship and within a year after that I, I signed I think three more contracts and a, on a four-year contract so I kicked on heavily and got into the first team and and then the training ground was built on the same complex and I remember sitting down with in the in the training ground when I was I think 18 19 and Jim Rodwell who was first a senior player then he was 30 odd he's now I think he's now um, chief executive Hull and, and he's and I remember he's saying Burge you don't think every club's like this, do you? And I said, well, is it not? He said, well, just wait till you go to another club. You, you'll understand how special this place is and how lucky it was. And, you know, I, you know, I mean, the conference then, it was one up. I think the club finished fourth, fourth, second and second before it got promoted. So in essence, it could have been promoted four years earlier and who knows what would have happened then. But yeah, we, we you know, we got into the Football League. We... Um, we finished second, uh, sorry, we finished uh, seventh, I think, in the first season in the League Two, got to the playoff final, lost to Cheltenham. Following year, won it on the final day against Hartlepool, got into League One, as you say. And then, um, you know, Max Max Griggs, who owned the club, owned Doc Martins. Obviously, Doc Martins wasn't doing great and, and he had to pull out and, and the club sort of, um, sort of, you know, went, went down downhill and... But, but during that period, during that time of joining as a, as, a, as, a, as a 15-year-old scholar and being full-time through to when I was 23, 24, was, I, I, it was such a brilliant place to be. Again, it was small, but in terms of how the club looked after you, in terms of how you, the environment you went into every day um, and, 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 and the way you were treated and the, the success that we had with a, a chairman and an owner in Max Griggs who was genuinely the most normal down to a nice fella who'd walk in like he wasn't supposed to be there. And all I ever remember Max saying was, it's nice there, isn't it? It's good there, isn't it? And it was just, honest to God, there was, you know, Nem Park's not there anymore, but the memories that we've got from that place. Uh, and, I, and I just find, you know, look back and think how lucky I was that I was there just at the right time and uh, and experienced all those wonderful highs. And um, it's, 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 it's really sad what happened to it and, and one to the ground and, and and things like that, but again, you know the memories are there, and uh, and and for that that period of time over a, over a sort of seven or eight year period, it was a special place. What was your um, relationship like with, with Brian Tolbert, Andy? Because obviously he was at Rushton for a few years. Obviously took mm-hmm. the club into the league, I believe, and obviously the man that that brought you to Oxford as well. You must have been uh, pretty close, I imagine. He was unbelievable. Genuinely was. Uh, Listen, Brian had got, and a lot of people didn't like him. A lot of people who didn't know him would look and say he was arrogant. So I can only tell tell how I was. I remember the first day I went, we went in as a scholar. He said, he came into a dressing room and he spoke to us for half an hour. And all he said is, I want to help you. As long as you help yourself, I'll help you. And that's all he did for, for the seven years I spent with him at Rushton. He helped me every single day. He not just football. I'm not talking about football. I'm talking about off the pitch. He'd take me in his, his office and he'd give me advice about bank accounts, about uh, dealing with this, dealing with that. Um, you know, he gave me my first contract. He gave me my debut. He, honest, I, I still speak to him now and and, and I, I get why people look at him and, and, and he went to Oldham and didn't do well. He went to Oxford and didn't do well. But those periods of time at, at Rushton, 
he didn't. Uh, there's a lot of Rushton fans that didn't like him because he didn't. He, he didn't have a great relationship with the fans. But again, you know, people said he wasted all Max's money because it took him so long to go up. But there was one up. As I said, he finished four, four, second, and second, which would have been playoffs in any other now it would So it was a tough task. There was so much expectation, but he was he he was he was so hardworking. He had he, he was so meticulous in terms of what what he had at Rushton that he didn't have at Oxford and he didn't have at Oldham was. He he ran the football club from top to bottom. He he was a, he was just given the chairman just said forget about money. That wasn't I'm not talking about. That. I'm talking about the way he ran the training ground, the organisation of the training ground, the, the principles around the football club. He he you know he, he he measured the grass to make sure it was the right length. He 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 built the training ground. He went to Arsenal and got the the idea of the training ground from Wenger and and how and it was smaller scale, but it, it mirrored what Arsenal had and. He, for me, he was just, he was just unbelievable. Um, and I can't speak highly enough for him and, and we'll come on to it in a bit. You know, I, I signed for Oxford because of him, really. I had other options, but because I wanted to work with him and it was, he didn't have at Oxford what he had at Rushton and he didn't have at Oldham what he had at Rushton and that it just worked for him at, at Rushton. At some club, that happens in players and it happens with managers. At some clubs it works, some clubs it doesn't, but Rushton was perfect for him. And, um, and I, I you know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have had half the career I had and, and achieved half what I achieved without Brian or anywhere near. So, um, I, I, you know, a lot, again, a lot of people would have bad things to say about him, and but for me, he was he was the best manager I had by by a long a long chalk. It's interesting though. You mentioned sort of two aspects that you hear about a lot now in the game, sort of marginal gains, that sort of mm-hmm. thing, but also the kind of uh, I guess pastoral side of it. You know, looking after players and. Mm-hmm. I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm a little bit too young, but I don't get the sense that that was too uh, sort of sweeping across the game at that time. No, it wasn't. And, and so when I was when I was 18, I just signed a pro contract and, and I remember the conversation. He came and sat next to me on the coach and he said, uh, you know, I lived I lived local to Rushton. So, he, but he, you know, one or two things were going on with my family and, 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 he, and he came and sat next to me. He said, right. He said, you're moving into a clubhouse. He said, uh, the clubhouse is in Earthenborough, which was which was five minute walk from the ground. He said, "Come and live there." He said, "You'll be in for breakfast at the training ground. Uh, you'll be in for lunch at the training ground, and then I want you to come down to the ground for your, for your dinner." So I had three meals a day at the club. He said, "Before training, um, take your laundry, take your washing to the laundry behind under the ground. They'll wash it, and I, and I used to drop it off and pick it up after training." Yeah, he said, uh, "I had a cleaner. I, I live rent free. I had." It just took away any any thoughts or issues I ever had off the pitch because he just wanted me to focus on football. Just that's all he wanted me to do. He just wanted to not anything get in the way of my football. You know, if my car broke down or if I had an issue with my car, he'd be on the phone ringing the ringing the the garage over the road to get it sorted. He would pull me in and say, "Right, uh, I want you to go and speak to the chief executive and ask for a new contract." And he used to say, ask for this, ask for this, and ask for this. He said, I'll ring the chief. He'd ring the chief executive. Burge wants a new contract. He's coming to see you tomorrow at one o'clock. I'd knock on the chair on the chief executive's door. I'd go in. The chief executive sat there, and Brian sat in the room. So I'd say to the chief executive, uh, can I have this, please? The chief executive looked past me, and Brian would be nodding. And it was just to help me. Uh, you know, I, he knew Everyone knew that I was getting it. And everyone knew, but he wanted to help me and make sure that I, I, you know, took that on in my career and I had the understanding of what I was. uh, And and it was just little things like that, that 
I remember I, I walked to the shop one day in Earthlinborough and I took a football with me everywhere. And I was just kicking a ball. I was at 20 years old and I was just kicking a ball to the shop. And Brian drove past me and, and sounded his horn and waved. The following morning, I walked in and said, the gaffer wants to see you. And I went in and he said, what were you doing with that football? I said, well, I was just going to the shop gaffer. And he loved that. And he gave me a new contract on the back of that because he just knew that I love football. And, and that's the kind of person he wanted. And that was a, the kind of person he was trying to make me. He just wanted me to love football. He wanted me to focus on football and be the best sort of version as I can be every day. And he, he just helped me with that. But yeah, I, if he didn't like you and, he, and, he, and, and you didn't um, do the things he wanted to do and didn't act right and didn't, didn't perform for him, then he, he wouldn't help you to that extent. But because I think he liked me and he knew that I loved football and he knew that I just wanted the opportunity, he helped me. And that was, again, that was, that was phenomenal for me. From memory, so Brian Tolbert is announced as the Oxford manager at the end of the 2004-2005 season. Oxford have had a, a funny old season, Graham Ricks, then um, uh, Argentinians and uh, all sorts of mm. things going on. And then Tolbert's named and presented to the fans literally at last game of the season. Um, and the su- summer that follows is quite looking quite positive with signing the likes of Chris Hargreaves, who's done a, 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 a job of, of winning promotion from the league before. Um, Stuart Gray, who I think was at Russian in mm-hmm. Diamonds with yeah. you at the time. There were there were other, other players that started coming in at the start of the season. Eric Saban, um, Andy Campbell, mm-hmm. I think, was one as well. Um, and obviously, at this time, you're still at, at, at Rushton while while Brian started um, his, his, his job at Oxford. Were there sort of any soundings that you could have signed before you actually did, um, which I think was in the January? Yeah, possible. I actually, funnily enough, and I, I, I've not even ever, ever thought about it, but I actually did Brian's CV to send to, to uh, uh, Sam, the chairman, and he came to see me because he knew I was decent on computers. And I actually wrote his CV and sent and, and gave it to him. But yeah, um, no, not really. There wasn't, um, you know, I, I, th- I think, I think that summer I broke my leg in pre-season. Um, so I wasn't fit. Um, so yeah, I, I broke my leg in a pre-season game against Leicester, and and I wasn't fit. So there wasn't really, there wasn't really then. I think again he was trying to get his feet under the table. There were certain things he was trying to sort out at uh, Oxford. Um, but no, I spoke to Brian all the time. I you know I I was I was always very close to him. But no, the, again the, I don't think the opportunity was there to to go to to Oxford. That so there, there was lots of talk about me. I was supposed to go to Swansea. That was in my big move in the summer before I went to Oxford. It, they agreed a fee, hundred grand. Um, I went down, met Kenny Jacket. It's again a, a story. So I went down on the Friday to meet Kenny Jacket again. The, the clubs had agreed a fee. My agent picked me up from from my house, drove down to Swansea Friday. Got Friday lunchtime. Got there, met Kenny Jacket, met uh, Hugh Jenkins, the chairman. Just moved into the to the. Uh, Liberty Stadium showed around the Liberty, unbelievable ground, really positive, looking like it was going to happen. So Kenny Jacket says, right, do you want to go upstairs with your agent to the manager, chairman's office and discuss your contract? Fine, yeah, went up, sat down in the chairman's office, Hugh Jenkins, so who says, right, where do you want to start? And my agent said, uh, do you mind if we come back on Monday? So I sort of looked at him and said, pardon? Do you mind if we come back on Monday? I've got to get back to London. I, I promised I'd take my, my, my girlfriend out tonight. So I was quite, like, listen, I'm, I am quite a passive guy. I, I don't, I'm, you know, I'm not one for sort of confrontational speaking up. So I sort of looked at him and thought, are you for real? But didn't really say anything. And my, uh, 
Hugh Jenkins said, well, if you, if you want, obviously, you know, we'll, we'll speak on Monday. So, okay, we drove back to London, uh, Monday morning, knock on the door and my agent says, uh, the deal's off. I went, what? And the deal's off. He said, Hugh Jenkins just rang me and said, uh, it's taken too long. And he thinks we've, we've got another club lined up, lined up, which is why we didn't speak on Monday. There was no other club. I went, you for real? He said, don't worry, we'll drive down to Swansea and, and get it sorted. So we jump in the car from London, drive down to Swansea, get to the uh, Liberty, walk in, receptionist is, is Kenny Jackett. Kenny Jackett comes into reception. What are you doing there? The deal's off. So <laughs> my agent says, it was the most awkward thing in the world. My agent says, let's go through this. So we walk through the tunnel at Liberty, edge of the pitch of the Liberty. My agent goes, I'll leave you two to talk and runs off. So I'm stood there. I said, look, Kenny, I said, there's no other club. I want to sign for you. I said, my agent's killed me. Um, I'm not trying to, you know, I'll, and Kenny just said, look, not interested. Uh, we've moved on. I think they signed um, a lad from uh, Swindon something. Uh, they'd, they'd lined somebody else up and that finished. And then pre-season, I broke my leg and and it all just sort of fell apart in terms of that was my big, they, I think they just got in the championship and that was three days before pre-season started. So it, it was, you know, I'd, I got my head around leaving Rushton because of what happened and everybody else and Andy Lowe had gone, Paul Underwood had gone, Paul Hall had gone, all the big players who had got us out of League Two and and I felt, you know, I'd been there since I was 15 and, uh, you know, I, I loved the club and, and it was a great place to be but I felt I needed to step out of that and go somewhere else but, lot, you know, it all sort of transpired. It didn't happen then so I, I played that six months and got to January and and then, you know, I, I had to instigate the move but um, then, then got my move, yeah. Did he stay your agent for long after that? No. <laughs> Funnily enough, no, he didn't. No, he uh, he wasn't. Do you know what? I, I'm too nice. He was a nice fella, the lad. He, he wasn't a good agent. Um, he, he was just, he just killed it. He just, you know, I tell people that story nowadays and they're like, what are you doing? Why didn't you say so? And I do look back and think, you know, I should have said, right, go on, off you go and I'll stay and talk. And, but hindsight's a great thing, isn't it? And, uh, you know, should have, should have, should have done it, but um, who knows what would happen. So you mentioned just then you sort of had to instigate the move in the January to Oxford. Um, I take it that wasn't because you were your agent. This, what, what was the reason behind that? <laughs> yeah, just because I felt it was right time to go, and uh, I knew there was lots. Well, there was a fair bit of interest. Um, you know, Rushton was a Rushton was becoming a. It was only going one way, really. The team was struggling. At the point, it's Ernie Tippett and Stuart Robson. Previously, they'd been they'd come in, got sacked. Uh, Barry Hunter was then the manager who I'd played with, and and the club was just a sort of uh, shadow of what it was under Brian and the success and everything. And it and it wasn't really just that. It just I felt that I needed to go elsewhere and experience other things and and take my my, my career to a different different place. And um, you know, I had to I had to sort of had difficult conversations and I, and the chairman rang me one day and, uh, and just said, you know what, we want you to stay. And I said, look, I'm ready. And it was hard. It was difficult. I didn't want to do it that way. I'd rather have gone sort of quietly. And, um, but you know, uh, it, it, you have to do what you have to do. And I felt the time was right. As I say, uh, I spoke to quite a few clubs and, and there was interest, but you know, Oxford, Oxford was the one I chose in the end. So, and, and what was it about Oxford? Then obviously there was a Brian Talbot factor, but what else? Yeah, Brian was a big. So the other, you know, again looking back, you know, I had Northampton. I'd met Colin Calderwood a few times, um, and I really liked him. Uh, Northampton, obviously, and Rushton were rivals, but 
it, you know, it was it was close to where I lived, and it was you know they were doing well. South End was another option, um, but I just felt you know Brian 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 really loved it, really loved the club. He, you know, he, he had real good plans for the club. He he, he knew the, the the infrastructure in terms of the ground and and was was working hard. He, he was trying to put a mural up behind the behind the goal because he obviously his Arsenal links and he'd spoken to Arsenal and he was going to use what they'd done behind the goal when they were building the new stand at Arsenal and and he'd moved that quite far. He didn't get planning for it in the end. But and, and then you know he was looking at training grounds and things like that. And he actually got had quite a decent relationship with Kassam, even though a lot of people didn't like him. He he he, he quite liked him. I think they got on fairly well. He, I think he th- he felt that he had, he was ambitious and he wanted to get up the leagues and things like that and you know and he sold that to me you know and he and and I knew what he thought of me as a player and and what he wanted me to do as a player um, you know Northampton was was Northampton and South End were the two ones that probably followed it through and, and were lined up that they were the three options and. You know, as luck was habit, obviously Oxford ended up getting relegated. Northampton got promoted to League One, and Southampton actually got promoted to the Championship in six months later. So, again, you know, from Swan, 100 grand to Swansea six months ago to then back in the conference, you know, that was that was my path. But no, Oxford, and, and you know, I it was a bit. It's a big club. It was. It is a big club. It you know the fan base, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, it. it, it, it it felt right at the time, and I knew Billy Turley was there. Obviously, um, as you you know, um, Stewie was there. Stewie Gray. They spoke highly of of the club, and and it just it felt it felt right. And um, it was you know they uh, they offer more money than actually uh, than South End and 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 Northampton. Um, so it made sense to. To, to to go there and, and and play for Brian again. I was working in um, commercial radio at the time. I was literally only a few years into to starting stuff, but certainly called myself more a fan at that stage. And at the time, we'd had a couple of heavy losses. I remember we were, were beaten heavily at home by Shrewsbury. There was a couple of other very strange sort of results that happened. And in, in the January, there was a lot of change. Chris Hackett had gone. He'd gone to Hearts. Mm. Lee Bradbury was told that he wasn't going to be able to play another game because it would trigger a contract extension. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. behind the scenes, there were, there, 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 there were rumblings. And obviously yourself and, and, and John Dempster came in as part of the, the, the Rushton deal. Obviously, it was hoped that that would, be, that would be it. We'd move on. And if we sort of couldn't reach the playoffs, because there were still people thinking mm-hmm. it could happen at the time, that, 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 that certainly we'd have a good end to the season and build going forward. Something wasn't clicking though. And I think probably now we can say, obviously at the time there was a takeover that wasn't too far away and there, there, there were, there were strange things going on. What, what do you remember from that period? Yeah. I mean, when I, when I went in, there, not, there was never, ever a thought that we might get relegated. There was never, it wasn't, it was, you know, let's finish as hard as we can. I think, you know, I can't remember where we were when I, when I joined, but we certainly weren't in a relegation battle. You know, we, we were, it, you know, we obviously weren't safe and we weren't away from it, but never, ever, ever contemplated the thought that we would get relegated. And it was a good squad. It had good players, you know, the likes of John Ashton, obviously Billy, um, Lee Mansell was a good player. Hutton and Greasy was a, was a good player. Eric Sabin was ability and talent-wise was outstanding on the training pitch. He was first class. Bash, you know, Chris Yackett, Lee, Lee Bradley was a, Bradbury was a experienced player. Um, and I don't ever, you know, really remember, you know, especially when I joined there, you know, it was just, it just felt like one of those seasons where maybe it was, 
you know, let's just get to the end of the season. Let's regroup. Let's, um, you know, let's just make sure we finish as, as strong as we can and as, as, as positively as we can. And then it all seemed to unravel. It just seemed to go horribly wrong. As you say, the takeover, Nick Merry came in. The, the euphoria around the takeover, though, obviously with Nick coming in and then Jim coming in, again, gave us another big boost. And again, you thought, right, brilliant. Let's let's crack on and kick on and finish strong and go next season. And and then it just all, you know, some bad results. Some, and obviously the last ever season against Dorian was, was horrendous. And... Um, and it just just went downhill quickly, and it just in a blink of an eye, all of a sudden, you you know you're relegated. Yeah, we're not getting we're not getting to the end of the season just yet. And he, Brian Brian leaving, uh, being sacked, whatever happened then. Darren Patterson came in for a three game mm. period. It seemed to really galvanise everyone at that time. I remember there being a couple of hard hard fat uh, hard fought draws, a, a victory against Bristol Rovers. It, it 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 was just going off left, right, and centre. There was the boardroom was stormed by the fans. I think in the game against Bristol Rovers, what's going on in that in that squad at the time? What's being said amongst the players? Because surely you hadn't experienced anything like it before. No, not really. I mean, Pato was really good. I really like Pato. Um, he was very much in the mould of a manager you wanted to play for. He was a young, up and coming coach. He was he was an he was an experienced man in terms of his football, but he was the best way I could describe him was someone you wanted to play for. And, and he felt like he was a good fit. You know, he was certainly somebody who was positive. He organized us. Um, he didn't, you know, there wasn't a lot of change necessarily in terms of the way we played or the, or the, uh, the sort of philosophy of how we played, but he just sort of carried it on. And as you say, we had decent results when we went to Berry and drew, um, and, and everyone was sort of behind him and thought, you know, thought that maybe he would take it to the end of the season. And, um, and everyone was good for that, and everyone was 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 like that. And but you did feel there was a lot of unrest. You did feel, you know, at, at any point that we were struggling or we were going through a period, the fans were edgy and the fans were on your back a bit, and you know, and they were they weren't happy. There was obviously the the, the um, lack of of sort of rapport with the, the ownership and and everything like that. So it never felt comfortable. It never felt happy. It never felt like the fans and the, and the club were on point and were were together. And uh, there was some. It did feel there was something something quite seriously wrong. But as a player, you just sort of try and distance yourself from that because you can't. We can't affect as a player. You can't affect what's going on in the boardroom. You can't affect the ownership of the club. You can just try and continue to to do your job as best you can. Um, and that's what we tried to do. And. It, and again, you know, we always felt that we were not too good to go down, but we had good players on our day could compete in that in that league. We had match winners, we had players who could uh, who could win us games, and, and and it wasn't until it happened that we, you know, we we were officially relegated on the last day that you know we got to the point where you know it happened. And but again, as players, you just try to to to, to distance yourself as much as you can. Um, I don't think I ever set eyes on Sam. I don't think I ever saw him, met him, you know, which probably didn't feel right. You know, I think the best owners, the best chairman, you know, Matt Squiggs came to the dressing room before every game and just said hello to the lads and the lads loved it. He was seeing every now and again the training ground and he loved it, but he never got involved. He never, you know, he didn't step over the mark, but 
if you didn't see him, you'd probably think, you know, it's a little bit odd. Have we got that support? Have we got the backing? Does he really want to be here for the right reasons? And I think that was probably a feeling. Is, is he doing it for the right reasons? Is he really, does he really give a, a damn about the football club? Or is it just using it for his own purposes, for his own whatever, you know, self-provocation or whatever? So, uh, you know, what we we probably did feel in, as a group that there wasn't a huge amount of support from that side of things. But again, we can't affect that. We know we can't do anything about the ownership of the football club. We just try and perform on the pitch and and we try to do that. I, I went to the Berry game, uh, reported on it, and um, something, there was rumblings in the car on the way up. Darren Patterson, we, we were told, wanted to sign. Steve Claridge um, had it okay. all ready to go. Was told, no, you can't you can't do it. So we obviously go to Barry. You score. That's right. Correct. Right score. foot volley past Casper Schmeichel. Yes, don't leave that out. Yeah, 100% <laughs> remembers that. Good. And in the car on the way home, we stop at Warwick Services. John Murray from the Oxford Mail at the time. Yeah. Nick Harris, Radio Oxford celebrating doing cartwheels at Warwick services it's one o'clock in the morning the takeover has gone through next morning everything's unveiled it, it I yeah I, I very 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 vividly remember that time yeah yeah um I'd assume it was I think we might uh, might have had the next day off assume a way that Barry would have come home and had the next day off but we did Jim get announced with him straight away or was that Jim, later on? Um, Jim, 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 and Nick, because they were sort of all part of the yeah, they came together. Yeah. Thomas was there as well as a. Uh, yeah. I think at the time he was he wasn't chairman. I can't remember exactly. No, what I think his he title was CEO was. or something like that. Calvin, wasn't he? Yeah, that, that, that was it. Yeah, yeah, that was. Um, it. Yeah, so we. You know, thinking back, and you know, and and all we sort of knew, I think, was that Nick was an American businessman who had ties to Oxford and. You know, it was something to do with diamond, not diamond, not rushing on, but diamonds was his way we found, got his money and things like that. We didn't know a lot about him, but you know, when you're a player and, and that happens, and obviously, you know, a fan comes in or somebody who's linked with Oxford and then with Jim, and we, you know, we felt really positive about it. And again, it was a, a period where, wow, you know, I remember that we're speaking about it. We we had a cut, me, me, Chris Argus, Chris Wilmot, Rob, uh, not well. Stuart Gray at that time and John Ashton travelled up from Northampton together and I remember going in that day and thinking Jim Smith you know he's managing the Premier League he's got he's done fantastic at this club before we were buzzing off it and and we felt that that was you know it was a huge step forward it would obviously galvanise the fans it would bring everybody together and it did it did, 100% did the fans you know buzzed off even, even when we got relegated in the following season you know it, it, it felt like we got promoted not got relegated but but the next day I mean I remember going in and we had a huge squad at that time I'm not sure why we had so many players but I remember going into one of the boxes or the one of the rooms upstairs and and it felt like we had about 40 players in there and and Jim walked in with Nick um, introduced I think Nick introduced himself and and Jim had a, a cup of coffee. I remember it vividly. And I was sat next to Chris Wilmot and Jim went, okay, no, Mr. Chairman, there's a lot of them, aren't there? Some of them will have to go, right, come on, let's go and train. And we were like that. Is that it? You know, we were like, I remember Chris Wilmot sort of looking at me and going, we, you know, we thought, you know, we come in and do a big speech where it lifts us and everything. And, and that sort of set the tone a little bit. But that was what Jim was like. I don't want to sit here and hammer him. I don't want to... He had done brilliantly for a football club in his first spell and his second spell didn't work out. I really liked Jim as a person. 
Um, he was a nice bloke and he wanted to do well, you know, and, and he had the, he had the best of the club, you know, uh, uh, he wanted to do, to do well for the football club. He just, it probably wasn't, it wasn't the right time for him because he, you know, I think he, he'd had his, his career as a manager. He probably wanted to, he would have been better, I think in the boardroom as a director of football, maybe, or somebody helping from above, probably with Pato as his, as a manager and someone like that to take us on because we never, never really felt motivated under Jim. You know, we, he, he'd been used to working at the top level and, and his, the way he managed and the way he spoke to us as players and what he expected of us as players, we, we you know sometimes couldn't give him because we weren't good enough. We weren't good as good as the players he'd worked with in the Premier League. And, um, you know, when he first came in, he wanted me to do things that I couldn't do. What I remember he first game, he said, he came down and I was on the on the left in front of the dugouts and he said, if you don't run past that fullback uh, in the next five minutes, you're coming off. Uh, and I sort of said, I ain't run past anybody for the first eight years of my career. I can't run past, I can't run. That's not my game. I, you know, I, you know, and, but he was used to athletic, quick, fast players who could do that. And, but in fairness to him, obviously the second season, he, you know, in terms of me, you know, he, I'd say built the team around me, but I was a, big part of what he wanted to do and 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 he I remember him I remember him telling Harry Redknapp as I was in the tunnel he said that's him um and and Harry Redknapp was like okay and you know I know he, he did rate me as a player but in terms of when he first came in uh that you know that what it did it got it did galvanize everything it galvanized everybody the fans were it was brilliant it was superb and we you know we tried to feed off that we just slipped and down and other results didn't go for us. And, that you know, I remember the atmosphere the last day of the season, the Orient game was, was phenomenal. And it was horrible after the game, you know, we, I, our, the car school, me, me, Greavesy and, and Motti, and we didn't want to leave the change room because we knew when we did, we went into, into the car park and there was still fans there and, and, and we got abused and probably rightly so. We'd just taken the football club down. Um, but, no, it was it was a really difficult time. I did just want to bring it back just a few games before the Orient one. Obviously, um, uh, I think you beat Barnet two 0 sort of mid April, four games to go. Um, I think the club are about seventeenth, eighteenth in the table, maybe three points clear of relegation. Sort of from what you're saying from when you joined in January, it felt like that you know relegation wasn't on your mind at that point. You're not safe, but you think it looks like couple more wins will do it what what's the thinking at that point are you still looking up or you're looking down yeah same yeah I, we, we, at no point did did probably until even in the orient game in we felt we could win it we felt we had players good enough to win it a squad good enough to win it players who had won that division you know players who had played higher players who played at the top level very top level so we you know, we never, I can't, I mean, it's, it's a long time ago and my memory is not, you know, I can't really remember what happened last week, but from, from what I can remember, we were confident and we felt we had enough to stay in the division. Uh, as I say, the, the crowd was certainly with us then, um, whereas, you know, it, we'd been through a period, as, as we've alluded to, that, that wasn't so comfortable and wasn't so um, so welcoming. welcoming. Um, but we, we, we felt like we could, you know, eat, you know not... You know, we were we would were more than capable of staying up, and as you say, a couple more wins would do it. Even going into the Orient game, you know, I remember the dressing room being really confident and really uh, Orient were doing well. I think they're getting the playoffs on the back of that as well, or or even promote. I think they were they were obviously the, the the other end of the league, but 
you know, we had we had good players and we were confident and, and it, with the fans behind us at home, et cetera, et cetera. Even going into the last, I know obviously Marty got sent off and um, and that probably, you know, don't want to kill Marty, but, you know, that that obviously we, we said at the time, you know, that didn't help us at all. But um, it was just, it was heartbreaking really because we knew, you know, listen, you don't need me to, as two Oxford fans, you don't need me to tell you. And as a Luton fan who, you know, was part of, the club when they went into non-league, everybody thinks it's going to be, well, we'll get back straight away. Oxford fans, Luton fans know as well as anybody, it's not as easy as that. And it doesn't happen like that unless you're very, very lucky. So if we had a stayed up and, uh, you know, we're talking about one goal in one game would have kept us up. What the history could have been so much different for Oxford. And, you know, I know Oxford spent a long time and, um, and, 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 and spent a lot of uh, time in, in, in non-league and, Fortunately, I've gone up and, and enjoying a, you know, a good period and have been, you know, uh, far away from those those, those type of, of relegations. But um, it did shape the future for a long time for the football club, and um, you know, it was it was it was really disappointing. Just just quickly, one final one for me on this sort of side of things, Andy. I I was in the the East Stand for that game. I don't think I've certainly never cried as much at a, at a football match sort of took me towards maybe you know a funeral or something like that and that and that sounds awful because you know football there, there's so much more to life than football but at that time I was 22 23 I had never experienced it and the game was so traumatic as well mm. it was pouring down with rain mm. um I probably had had too much to drink before the game as well and was fairly intoxicated but how did that did the outpouring of that I remember seeing some of the players on the pitch as well. It was just, you know, and you can see pictures, this footage, this final score footage as well of, of what it was like at that moment in time. Would you say that's the lowest point in your football career on that pitch? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, it was the lowest point. Yeah, it was... Uh, that I never played in the Football League again, you know, so I didn't know that at that time, but that was the last last game I ever played in the Football League. I never got back in it. Um, it was... It's, it, listen, it... <laughs> I think that there's a, there's a definite con- conception that it doesn't hurt footballers when things like that happen. I can only speak for myself. It was devastating. It was it was heartbreaking. Um, it was the lowest I've ever felt in football without a shadow of a doubt. I, you know, I consider myself a football fan. You know, I'm a massive Luton fan. I always have been. And and as you as you know, looking at Luton, the heartbreak that we've had over the years. I remember crying Notts County last day when we got relegated out of the football out of the first division and we never got in the Premier League and and then going out of the Football League all right I was you know older then but it was it's hard it's it's, it's it, I think if you're a proper football fan and you and you support a club that goes through things like that and it's it's the worst thing in the world and you know I fully you know I've got massive regrets of, of that you know, that end period of that season that I couldn't impact it more you know and I, but I do know that I I gave it everything and I think the dressing room did. I don't think there's anybody in the dressing We just perhaps weren't quite good enough at the end of the day and things perhaps didn't go for us. I don't like looking at luck and things like that because I think it. I think that's an excuse. I just think for whatever reason, we couldn't quite find that result that we needed and that extra goal that we needed on the day and, and things sort of transpired against us a bit. You know, I can't, I think Marty did something to his face or something, but it was, I remember Andy Warmer was a ref at the time and, uh, I don't think it probably constituted a red card, but it happened and that, and I remember thinking when that happened, Marty, what have you done? You know, that's, 
just made the task harder sort of thing. And Motti is the least aggressive person in the world. You know, he was, he's the nicest fellow I've ever met probably. And that's so out of character for him, but it just sort of compounded where we were and what happened. So no, hugely now, you know, looking back now, it, it, yeah, I've got to say as a player, that's the worst day of my life. I, you know, probably got, I got sent off and missed the playoff final for Rushton. And that was down there, but being relegated out of the football league, it, as a, as a player or as a fan, then it's 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 always going to be you know up there as as the, the most disappointing thing that will happen to you. What's the mood then going sort of into pre-season? Like you said, it it was sort of almost like a bit of a festival feel mm. going to a lot of games early in that oh six oh seven season, and and particularly actually that pre-season friendly against uh, against Man United. I, I was sat, mm. I think I was sat by the the away dugouts actually, so sort of a few yards from Fergie and Solskjaer and people yeah. like that. Um, yeah. I think to remember you had a pretty decent game that day mm. that that game and, and in pre-season you know how did it feel playing for Oxford you know a club that should have been sort of really depressed yeah it, again like I say it felt like a promotion because of it felt like we we quickly got over that and and you can't change it so it's not like again it's not like it didn't matter it did matter obviously but you either go you either go one way or the other you either say you know, when we were down here, we're going to, you know, we're going to turn it, we're not going to try it. Or you go, right, we're down here, let's do everything we can to get back up here. And we, you know, the fans seem to, seem to come out in force on the back of that. Uh, the pre-season campaign was brilliant. There's some great games when we went to Eastleigh, didn't we? I think we played Col- uh, Chesterfield at home and we beat him, I think, and we were really good. Man United game was, was, was a highlight of my career playing against Ronaldo, players like that. You know, it was an incredible um, incredible game, and 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 that, that that brought the club together. That seemed to bring the fans on side, and, and and we played well. We did play well against Man United. You know, we as a team, we, it felt like, you know, it felt like we were clicking. We made some good, you know, the likes of Gavin Johnson who came and people like that were good, experienced players. Phil Gilchrist, although he came back and probably wasn't the player that we probably thought he, he was, and, and obviously had a brilliant time first time round at Oxford. But we just seemed to, you know. He signed good players. Carl Pettifer was a big player that season who, who ran his socks off. Rob Duffy came in and was that focal point as a centre forward. So, and we retained the likes of Billy, retained the likes of Bash, um, Chrissy Argreaves and people like that and built around it. So we did feel, and we looked at the dressing room and we felt we've got more than enough to go back up. We've got more than enough to, to, to be at the top end. And obviously that, you know, the way it started, I remember, I think we played sort of 4-4-1-1 and I played off Duffers and we, in the, in the, in the game at Eastleigh. I remember chasing down the fullback and Jim got up and ran to the touchline and said, Badge, will you stop running around trying to get the ball back and just be ready for when we get it? And it was like, can I ask move it to my ears? He's telling me not to defend here, you know? And it did feel like it sort of, Jim Jim massively, I know he liked me as a player and I know he sort of wanted to, to build the attacking sense of the side around me. And, and even when we changed shape in the season, I sort of went to a 10 and, uh, and it and it felt great and it was really positive and although Jim again it wasn't you know when we went to Morecambe and won three nil and going in the dressing room afterwards everyone was like well done well done and Jim was like well done they were jite that's why we've just won that was his sort of motivation I suppose the way he sort of stayed on top of things but we you know it was it was a, a, a fantastic preseason it was a fantastic the fans were brilliant you know I think we got records you know home crowds that season and. Um, it was just unfortunate that you know Dagenham were was strong. Um, I don't think they were better than us in terms of player for player, but had a real, a real, real togetherness. So at the end of the season, I went away with England, and they were, 
you know, the likes of Danny Foster and people like that. And, and they'd say they were just, they, they called themselves a family. That's, they were really, really close knit, really, really together. And that probably pulled them through. Whilst we had a good dressing room, there were fractious parts of it. It wasn't, we weren't really close. I wouldn't say in terms of bits and pieces of it. Not, we didn't, nobody disliked anybody, but there wasn't a real, I wouldn't, look back and say it was a real good team spirit about that group, but we had good players and, and that got us through. Um, so, yeah, it, the pre-season, the build-up to the season and the fans and the way the club felt was fantastic. Yeah, and of course, there was a brilliant unbeaten run at the start of that mm. season. I think, I was just looking back earlier and I think the week after maybe that first defeat, which I think was against Dagenham maybe, um, mm. beat Aldershot 2-0, you scored twice and it was... You know, it seemed like everything was was back on track again. Was it just that team team sort of spirit then that, like you say, maybe wasn't quite there? Because, like you say, it's a relentless league, isn't it? One only one goes yeah. up, and then four in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I, I don't want to. Don't get me wrong. The, what you know, I I got on with everybody. There was just it felt there was one or two lads who people didn't get on with and. Uh, and I don't think that really affected the pitch or what happened out on the pitch from, you know, I remember I, I started the season season well. I got the league player of the month in November and I felt I was, and then I remember there was four games where I got man marked and I literally didn't kick the ball for four games. And, and I literally, the fellow was was following me, following me around the pitch. And, and I, listen, I wasn't, I, I didn't know how to deal with that. That never happened in my career. I, you know, I remember Andy Orford's, coming in at half-time one day and saying, just give him the ball still. Let, let's, you know, and clubs perhaps cottoned onto us a bit and, and found us out a little bit the way we wanted to play and, and kept me out of the game. And and, and every season you're going to have dips and you're going to have things that don't go right. And I felt Jim probably changed things. We went to three at the back, I think, at one point and maybe panicked a bit, Jim, understandably, because of the good start and wanted to carry that on. And, and it just sort of unfolded from a personal point of view. Um, I had quite a serious, I don't know if, I, I said this on a podcast about six months ago. Um, I think it was around December. I, we, were, we were training, it was a Thursday. Um, I think it was around December and I, I was just jogging around the pitch in the warm-up while I was talking to Paul, uh, Carl Pettifer. And I collapsed on the training pitch, at, um, just collapsed, fitted for, a, for about half an hour on the pitch. Um, I woke up in hospital. I... Um, I developed epilepsy, the first ever epileptic fit I'd had. Didn't know anything about it. And that that hit me. That You know, on the Tuesday, we played in the FA Trophy at home against somebody and the ball had hit. I was in the wall and the ball had hit me. I can't remember. I don't know if you were there. It was against a lower league club. I can't remember who it was, but it caught the side of my head. It wasn't hard or anything, but I, I came off in the first half because I was feeling a bit dizzy. We had the Wednesday off, came into training on Thursday. And as I say, I collapsed and... I had two further fits after that when I went back to Rushton, one on the training pitch and one in, in, in while I was out shopping. Um, but that hit me quite hard. That, that I think it affected the lads a little bit as well because it just after Mark Fiddy and Foe had actually died on the pitch and uh, I think the lads were like, what what the hell's happening here? And I was on the on the middle of the training pitch for half an hour, literally fitting. Uh, it was, I, I'd, I woke up in hospital and it was, my, it felt like I'd been in a car crash. My my body was horrific, and you know I'm still on medication now for, for epilepsy. It was epilepsy, and, and, but it took me a year to get diagnosed. I, I had brain scans. This was all at that time in that season, middle of that season. 
I, I was I was quite an influential player in the way we tried to play and try and it, and it affected me and, and people Oxford fans now say to me you know and I'd see things the other day when Chris was announced as my assistant you know I wonder if Burgess still goes missing in big games and and I don't mind all that and that's fine but people perhaps don't see that and didn't see what happened to me that season I'm not using that as an excuse or anything like that and and there were games where I went missing in things and I get that that was my if I didn't I perhaps would have played in the championship or or, or whatever and and that was my you know that was part of the reason I didn't perhaps because it, it, at certain times I went missing for whatever reason. But that season at that point, when things were going good and we were in a good position, I had a major trauma in my life that is still part of me now. And and people didn't see that. I don't think, I don't know what the club said about me missing games. I think, I don't think it ever came out. I don't know if you guys ever knew about it. It ever came out that that happened to me, but I think it was a reason he got rid of me at the end of the season. Jimmy never actually said it, but I don't think they wanted that, that, because I was still going, even when I went back to Rushton, I was still getting testing. I was still, I'd not been diagnosed. Nobody sort of knew what it was. I was, I had a heart monitor on me for, for a few days to, to measure. And it was a, a difficult time for me personally. And, and it affected me. Um, and I think it perhaps affected us as a group a little bit as well, because I, I you know, I'm not saying everybody liked me, but I was quite a popular member of the team. I was, you know, I, I, we were in a castle with Greavesy and Motti and, and Port. And I, I got on well with Billy and the big men, Quinny and the big members of the squad. So it, I think it did affect the group a bit, but in the end of the day, we still finished second and, and got in the playoffs and things and, and, and had an okay end of the season. But that is probably something that, as I say, the Oxford fans probably never knew and never, never saw that happened. I owe you an apology then, Andy. Um, <laughs> the um, Rushton home game, I think it was on TV. It was it was it was wasn't a great game. Um, and I was sat over in the North Stand and um, it, I was a pure fan at this time. I wasn't working in the media. Andy, you're not fit to wear the shirt. I said that. And I'm sorry. I'll say that now. <laughs> but, at the, but at the time, we, we didn't we wouldn't have known that it, it did. There, there were occasions when when you just weren't. It was almost as if you weren't there. You were on mm-hmm. the pitch, but that you weren't involved in the game as much and we mm-hmm. perfectly explained why that was the case yeah no you know again I'm not I, I remember an open day we had an open day and I felt like I had to come off off the pitch on an open day because I felt I was going to fit again um, and I know the feeling now when I'm going to fit I, some lights going to Asda and sometimes I feel I remember on the open day I was on the pitch and, and I felt I was that close to having a fit and Neil Sullivan the physio said get in that change room now because you can't do it in front of the fans sort of thing so yeah it's what I'm quite sort of empathetic with with footballers now when you when when they get criticism and things we don't know what sort of goes on behind the scenes at times and listen I again I'm not making excuses I understand that I perhaps could well I could have done better at times and I could have given more at times I don't think I could give more in terms of effort and people will say you could, but I couldn't. I, I never went on a pitch not to give everything I possibly could. It might look like that because the type of player I was, but I always tried my best. I, I, I can hold my hands up and say I always tried my best, but sometimes my best wasn't good enough. Sometimes I did go out of games and didn't get involved. And perhaps, again, that's why I didn't perhaps go higher. But again, that the, the second half of that season, I had things going on that, affected me definitely whether subconsciously or I'm quite a relaxed person but when something so sort of the trauma of that happens 
it was like, where the hell has that come from? You know, and I'd never, Pets, Pets said, I thought you were messing about because apparently my, my eyes went into the back of my head and, and I stumbled back because he thought I was going to head a ball. And we were just doing the warm up and he, and he was like, well, Bert, like I was on the floor and he was like, Bert, what are you doing? And then all of a sudden people realised and the physio apparently came running across like David Hasselhoff with in Baywatch and, and it all kicked off. And Jordan Milson, I think, um, who was a fitness coach then and uh, stopped me swallowing my tongue and things like that. So it was, it, it was a difficult time, but, um, you know, for, you know, I got, I say, diagnosed with, with, with epilepsy and I've been on, um, you know, I've been on, on, on medication ever since. So, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm glad that obviously there was a you found out exactly what was wrong and in the end and you've been able to live with it and and, and mm-hmm. with the medication and so forth going towards the end of that season then and um the, we recovered well towards the end of the season and hit the playoffs well obviously the the two legs against Exeter great away performance and at home things seemed to be going so well and obviously Exeter came back and you know RIP Adam Stansfield with that goal um, for mm-hmm. Exeter that took it into extra time and then, then the penalty shootout defeat. If if getting relegated the season before you know, was bad enough, losing a, a playoff semi-final in that fashion um, must have been not quite as bad, but, but up there. It was. It was, you know, I felt we were in the game with Exeter all the way through. You know, they, they're some good players. They're a difficult type team to beat. I felt going their place and then coming to ours was in our favour. Uh, in front of the fans, etc. You know, I, I never felt like I felt confident, and I felt we were going to do it. But I knew as soon as it went to penalties, and Jim said, "Who wants a penalty?" I knew we'd lost it because two uh, there was only two players who wanted to take a penalty: me and Rob Duffy. Everybody else took a step back. You know, when your goalkeeper is taking your third penalty, you've got no chance. Um, and I, I you just knew. You know, Gavin didn't want to take one. Quinny didn't want to take one. Billy would have taken every penalty if he could have done, because that's the type of character he was, you know. Um, and the penalty he took, I think, you know, was, it was just Billy Utelli all over, wasn't it? But um, no, it, it, I had no confidence going into the penalties. But up until the penalties, I felt we was a good, we, you know, we had, you know, Yemi was a constant thought, a threat. Duffers was was a goal scorer that, that could open the door, you know, bash myself. I, I always felt that we were good enough to to win the game, but you know, uh, penalties, it's not a lot, you know, I've seen on the TV, people talk about a lottery. It's not a lottery. It's, it, it's, it's about skill. It's about you know, mentality. It's about, uh, keeping a cool head. It's about bravery. It's about, you know, I never, I was so confident taking my penalty. I knew I was going to score. I knew what I was doing with it. You know, um, I, you know, I took a couple, I took it as extra away actually a penalty because Rob wasn't on the pitch, but I'd taken a couple of penalties that year and, and had scored them. And, and it, I was just, you know, I was just in a in a place where I knew I was confident enough to go and score. When you don't, when you've got you know fair play to Barry and 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 Gavin Johnson because they experienced players and felt they had to put their hand up. But you know, uh, it still baffles me a bit that people don't want to score, take a penalty from twelve yards out, and have a free shot from twelve yards out because it, in essence, take away everything, the emotion about it. It's really easy. It should be really easy. To score, uh, you know, I, I find it. You know, I missed one in my career, which, you know, in, I'd say in the same game I scored two others. But um, it, it's for me, it's just about it's about being strong-minded and, and brave. Um, and and, and we, you know, we didn't have that that day, and, and Exeter did. And yeah, it was again, it was heartbreaking because 
we had had a good season. We had, you know, finishing second in, in probably any other league that you see, you get promoted. So looking back now and saying that, it's it's easy, but it's, that you know, that's we knew that was a score. We knew that was a case. You know, Dagenham, fair play to them, you know, got up and, and we just missed out. But again, it was heartbreaking. Um, and, and I think, you know, the club, did they finish outside the playoffs the following year? Um, so it took, again, it took them a long time to, to recover from it. To, and get, to get up in yeah. the Yeah, yeah. So as I say, from, you know, as a Luton fan, has been in that position, it's, it's the same. So it's, yeah, it was not, not, was not nice. The atmosphere again was phenomenal in the ground that evening until obviously we lost. And, and even so, you know, I, I don't remember the, the negativity coming out the ground that there was after the getting relegated. There wasn't that. We didn't, we weren't met in the car park for memory and, and disgruntled fans. Um, but again, from a player's point of view, again, the, we were devastated. You know, we were got every, obviously everybody wanted to get to Wembley. It would have been a huge, I never, never played at Wembley. I never supported Luton there, but never going there as a player. Um, it would have been, you know, the heart, one of the highlights of my career. I was desperate to get there, but, as it was, it didn't happen, and uh, you know we 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 uh, we 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 were out. See, that proved to be your last sort of competitive game um, for Oxford as well. You mentioned earlier about you know maybe Jim not wanting you. Maybe I think there was a time as well. At that time, there was a column that went in the mirror about um, about Jim, and, and you kind of touched on that. And I know you don't want to sort of slate him, and that's absolutely fine. Was that kind of those differences then a big reason for you going back to Rushton? Yeah, I mean, the column came, I'll tell you the story about the column, because I had a column in the mirror, which I wrote, and towards the end of the season, I'd actually gone into to, um, uh, the mirror offices, um, Canary Wharf offices, um, uh, the only time I went in when I wrote, because they just had come in and see us, and I went in, and John Cross it was, who I spoke to it there, I had a long conversation with John, who wrote for the mirror, I don't know if he still does, but he wrote for the mirror then, and and he asked me about Jim and, and I was just honest with him and Dominic Hart, who was a sports editor, they were taught, I was talking to him and, and I was honest with him saying how, you know, he's, he's, he's quite negative. He's quite, you know, when he came in, he was quite negative. And, uh, and again, you know, I don't want to hammer him and, and cause he had a much better career than I did and he did some fantastic things. But, and then when I left, basically Dominic ran me and said, well, I assume you column this week it's going to mirror what you told us. And he basically said, you need to say that. And so I did. And I regret it now because I didn't need to, I was only being honest and I didn't say anything that wasn't true. Uh, but I didn't probably need to say it in that, you know, in that, in that environment and that time it was, it was burning bridges. I didn't want to do, I, I shouldn't have done, I shouldn't have needed to do. And I look back with a, with a regret on that, but um, yeah, it was, you know, Jim, we had meetings. I remember going in and Jim just said, look, um, I think I was probably one of the higher paid play players because I'd been in the league and I hadn't, I don't think I took it. I don't think there was a, 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 a um, reduction in wages when we went down or anything like that. So I was on league two wages and, and I think he just felt that, you know, he wanted perhaps a bit more workman like team. You know, I think he brought in Phil trainer. If you like to replace me, he was more of a, of a physical player, more of an up and down type player. And, um, and he just said, look, if you can, if you can, if a club can take can take you on a free and you can go and um you know I'm somebody who just wanted to play I just wanted to be to enjoy my football and 
Uh, and, 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 and after that conversation, um, you know, I knew my time was up at Oxford. Yeah. Um, appreciate I'll be jumping forward a bit here. Obviously, you know, you went back to Rushton. You're, you're there again, although sort of newly reformed club, if you like, um, sort of as manager, bringing in Chris Wilmot the other day. Um, tell us about sort of you sort of now then um, as a manager. Obviously, I know you became sort of boss earlier this year, just missed out on the playoffs. Kind of what are your what are your hopes are sort of with Rushton and, and, and going forward? Yeah, so it's it's obviously I, I can't it's obviously a very different club to the the original club, but it's it's built on the on the you know someone said to me one of the fans said because there's a little bit of people some people don't really like sort of saying it's the same club or it's it's a part of the old club, but one of the fans said to me without Rushton Diamonds there would be no AFC Rushton Diamonds, so you can't forget what the old club did and. Everyone I see at the at AFC, I've seen the face at Rushton, or m- the majority. You know, everyone who interviewed me, I knew they were fans of Rushton. So there is a real close link. There's Dale's bar uh, in the ground, which is Dale Dale Roberts, obviously who who passed away, my old teammate, and and the Peter de Bank Terrace, which was in Empire. So there's so there is a huge connection between the the clubs, which is for me. You know, I spent 12 years at, at Rushton and Diamonds, and it and it gave me so many good memories. And and I know you know, and the new club is. is that the, the people behind it are so hard hard working are so focused there's no real end goal I don't think from them in terms of you know Max had an end goal Max Griggs had an end goal that he wants to get into the football league I think that, that we just want AFC to be part of the community to for fans who were at Russian and Diamonds to be able to go and watch a football club to go and be part of a football club there are plans in place and they've got they've got uh, land to build a new ground and things like that so it's really small steps and things like that but it's all fan owned it's all you know, we, we rely on people coming through the gate and things. There's no benefactor or, or, or anybody putting money in. So it's it's really tight in terms of finances. But, yeah, we, we've got a good squad. Well, we had a good squad last year. We, As you say, we missed out on the playoffs by goal difference. Um, it's a real good level. You know, we're a step below the, 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 the National League. So, it you know, we've got – we play good teams. You know, Tamworth are at our level. Um, there's good, you know – there's teams with 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 a good fan base, and you know we get sort of 500, 600. I think we had 700, 800 last game of the season. So it's important for the community because of what happened to the original club. It's important for the community to have us. I still think, well, I know we can be better in the community, and we can we can you know we can we can we can welcome more people from the community and be better in the community, and that's something I'm going to try and do and 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 bring the the Russian community together a bit more and, and, and get the club out there a bit more. But no, in terms of myself, obviously Marty's got on board now to meeting with him last night. And, uh, you know, we're very similar in terms of our, our, our visions. We want to be successful. You know, we want to go through, we want to go higher as a management team with Rushton. And if it's, you know, you know, we, we, op- we these opportunities don't come very often. You know, I've tried for a few years to get managers jobs and, and they're very hard to come by. So, I want to take this opportunity. Marty wants to take this opportunity with with two hands. We want to want to take Rushton up the levels and and grow the club and build the club. And um, you know, it's 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 going to be tough. It's hard. Everybody's trying to achieve the same thing. Everybody's got the same dream and the same uh, visions. But we can, we, you know, we're just going to concentrate on ourselves. Try and put the best squad we can together. Try and do things the right way. We haven't got loads of money, but we're going to try and help the players in other areas with performance, you know, enhancing things like um, like the strength and conditioning and, uh, and other bits and bobs like that and utilise uh, the experience that we've had 
um, at good football clubs that we've played for. So uh, exciting, busy time for us, um, but uh, looking forward. It'll soon be Christmas, so um, you know we, we're we're busy with with getting plans in place for the new season, and um, it's 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 a good good club with good people, and we're we're, we're pleased to be in the positions we are. Fantastic. Well, um, yeah, best best thank, of luck with, with all of that. And, uh, and and yeah, thank, thank you for sort of your honesty over the last hour or so. It's been really, really interesting to hear. And uh, yeah, really appreciate no that. No, thank you for having me on. And uh, obviously, you know, it's great to see Oxford, you know, where they should be. Hopefully, you know, they, they take that next step up and, and are back as a championship club because the fans deserve it. They are a brilliant football club, whatever, you know, my experience were. But the overriding feel was it, it is a proper big football club with a fantastic fan base, a wonderful city, and they deserve to be at the top end of, of the football pyramid. And I'm sure, I'm sure they'll get back into into the championship. And then, as Luton have showed this this season, who knows what, what's possible? Thank you for listening to Behind the Badge. Stay across our social media platforms for our next podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at behind the underscore badge. Or if you want to email us, it's behindthebadge1893 at gmail.com.